It is a beautiful day. It is so great to spend this time together in God's house. And for those joining us online, thank you for joining us as we worship together. Uh, I'm excited to get into this text with you. Uh, again, we're going to get into Titus. We're going to go verse by verse a little bit, but that's going to be in a little while, so be patient with me. Um, but uh, we're going to get into that, so keep your Bibles open. But I'm excited to get into this next part of our Lenten journey looking at the word kind. Love is kind. But let's pray, shall we? And then we'll get into God's word. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us together today. Thank you for this time in your house and for this time of worship together. And I pray that you would bless us, uh, enrich us through your spirit, fill us with your grace, your kindness, that loving kindness. And then, Lord, uh, help us spill that out into the world so that people see you in us. And so, Lord, bless us and strengthen us, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are looking at, it comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, explaining God's gift of love. And today, love is kind. Now, if you were with us last week, Pastor Dustin uh, started this off with love is patient, and he came up with this kind of little formula, which certainly applies to every one of the words that describe love in 1 Corinthians 13, but let's plug kind in. So it says love is kind. If you go to places like 1 John uh, chapter 4, verse 8, it says God is love. God is love. And so if love is kind and God is love, you put those together and we find that God is kind. And how beautiful that is for us. Now, I did chapel for our school kids here at Messiah on Wednesday, and I asked them to help me a little bit in terms of preparing on this topic of kindness. And one of the things I asked them, if there's any of our Messiah Day School kids here, you can help me again today. Um, but here's the thing. I started off by asking them, what part of the body do we often associate with what holds all of our love? Now, that's a pretty easy one. Um, any of our Messiah School kids here? Do you remember what we said? There we go. What did we say? There we go. It was our heart, right? So we think about the heart being the place that we hold our love. Then I said, now wait a minute. Which part of the body might best symbolize where kindness is found? Anybody remember that one? How about our Messiah? Anybody have an idea? What, what? Oh, over here. Did you say our hands. Absolutely. So think about this. Put it another way. Our love has to do with our commitment, our attitude, our feelings toward other people, but kindness has to do with our behaviors, our actions toward others. If you go to the dictionary and say, I want a definition of the word kind, you'll find something along these lines. Uh, kind is uh, described as generous, helpful, thinking about other people's feelings, good stuff. Uh, the, the other side of it, not causing harm or damage. Love those things. But personally, when I think of the word kind, I like to define it this way. Kindness is love lived out. It's how we treat others. So let me ask you this. How important do you believe the topic of kindness is in our world today? Uh, I don't want to start being overly negative, but I want to be real at the same time. In general, let me ask you this. Do you believe that we live in a world where there is a kindness deficit today? 
I see some heads nodding. I would agree with you. Um, would our world be a better place if people were more kind to each other? Absolutely. Absolutely. But here's the thing. As God's people, we wrestle with the very uh, real fact that we live in a world broken by sin. And, and, and there is a very real spiritual warfare going on all around us. And that means that kindness, in the midst of this spiritual warfare, kindness, even for us as God's people, is going to be a challenge each and every day. Satan is the antithesis of kindness. And he knows when that is we as God as God's people, when we live out God's love into this world, especially showing it to people who don't know Jesus yet, that there's an opportunity that, that people will come to know Jesus and even come to be in a relationship with him. And Satan hates that. And so he's going to fight it with everything he has. But the good news, friends, is in this spiritual warfare, he who is for us is mightier than the enemy who is against us. Amen? Amen? Amen. So I truly believe that God has called us as his people not only to live in his love and kindness, but also we are to live out that love and kindness into our community and into our world. And with God on our side, we can and will introduce Jesus to more and more people. And I believe more and more people will come into relationship with our Lord Jesus. And sometimes it starts with a genuine act of loving kindness. Sounds simple, right? Well, yes and no. Let's unpack it a little bit. I believe in this spiritual warfare, I believe that kindness is constantly under attack by Satan himself. And I believe he uses a lot of different weapons, but I, I, I think that there are like two chief weapons that Satan uses to try to stomp out kindness. And those two chief weapons are hatred and hurriedness. Now, I want to I unpack those a little bit with you. When you think about the weapon of hatred, I believe Satan is trying, and, and sadly, uh, you'll probably agree with me, he's often succeeding at trying to push our entire culture down the slippery slope of cynicism, criticism, sarcasm, anger, racial tension, violence, bullying, uh, political tribalism. I mean, you can just, I mean, just to name a few. All of these things crush kindness. And they get people so caught up in what's wrong with our world today that I believe when Satan is using that weapon, people, people will often just simply forget how to be kind to each other. There's so much hatred. Another kind of a symptom of that weapon is even for good and godly people like yourselves, people that are genuinely loving and kind-hearted, Again, maybe you'll identify with this that sometimes it's so hard living in this world. We get so frustrated. We get so cynical toward all that is wrong in our world today that too often good and godly people throw up their hands and they adopt a what's the use kind of mentality. What good am I going to be able to do to make a difference in this world? In other words, people tend to give up. And then kindness just slips into the shadows. So Satan uses hatred and all of its derivatives. 
The second tool that I think he or weapon he uses is hurriedness. The frenetic speed of life. That, that, that pace makes real godly kindness rare and sometimes an extinct virtue. You know what? Uh, even amongst people who are genuinely loving and kind. Now, let me, let me kind of dig into that a little bit with you. How many of us, and I don't need to see a show of hands here, but how many of us complain often about how exhausted we are all the time? Life at 90 miles an hour, nonstop. And the reason for this is all of the things that we and our children and the next generations are being taught that we ought to want in this world, the things that are being ingrained into us to want in this world require a never-ending dogged pursuit of success, of position, of achievement, of material possessions. These things become so ingrained to us that they become the pinnacles of life. They become the symbols of status. And then guess what we do? We start to evaluate our own worth based on these things. And we evaluate other people's worth based on these things. These things have become an obsession. And the reason for this is because the American dream that once fueled an ambitious and developing country, that American dream has now found a comfortable seat on the throne of many of our hearts. And whereas Satan uses hatred to get people to forget how to be kind, he uses hurriedness to get people to not have enough time or energy to be kind. You see, loving kindness starts with God's love in us first. It requires us to slow down and to put other people before ourselves. And Satan is either constantly attacking us with hatred and or luring us into hurriedness because either way, kindness has little room to germinate in our hearts and then to grow into beautiful actions and beautiful things that we do for other people. And make no mistake, Satan's uh, key objective in this is to keep you and I from even recognizing the impact it has on us individually, on our hearts and lives, and then to not recognize the impact that it has on how we live out that loving kindness and show Jesus to a world that desperately needs him. Now, I want to drill a little bit more into hurriedness. And if you want a good book, don't always uh, come up here and and make book recommendations, but here's one that I think you might actually like. It's written by a pastor, John Mark Comer. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And, And the subtitle is How to Stay Emotionally Healthy and Spiritually Alive in the Chaos of a Modern World. Sounds intriguing. It was a refreshing read. It was a challenging read. Here's one of the moments in the book, I'm going to just share a few words from him that just kind of hit me between the eyes, and and I'll split it by a few slides here, but here's what he says. What you give your attention to is the person you become. He says, put it another way, the mind is the portal to the soul, and what you fill your mind with will shape the trajectory of your character. In the end, your life is no more than the sum of what you gave your attention to. Now he says that bodes well for those of us who are apprentices of Jesus, who give the bulk of our attention to him and all that is good and beautiful and true in his world, but not so much for those who give their attention to 24-7 news cycle of outrage and anxiety and emotion-charged drama, 
or the nonstop feed of celebrity gossip and titillation and cultural drivel. And then he says, as if we give it in the first place, much of it is stolen by a clever algorithm out to monetize our precious attention. That's a whole other part of the book that's intriguing. But he sums it up this way, but again, we become what we give our attention to for better or worse. Is that scary? Can be. A huge takeaway from this book, and I was clearly reminded of it as I was preparing for today, and especially looking at Satan's tool or weapon of hurriedness, it is my desire for me personally, it is my prayer for you, and also for our whole Messiah family and the ministry that God has called us to do, that you and I keep our attention, our focus on him on Jesus, on the cross, and on his word. And we allow that to be the thing that has not only our attention, it is what fills us and shapes us for life in this broken world. It reminded me that we need each other. As we grow as disciples, we need each other. We need encouragement. We need love and kindness for ourselves so that we can not only live and rejoice in God's gifts of grace, but then we can live lives that reflect Jesus into the world. Now, you and I, we've got to be in this fight against Satan's attack. Our weapon, our main weapon is the word of God. But here's the problem. People who don't know Jesus yet most likely don't care about the Word of God. And so for us, sometimes it starts with a simple act of loving kindness that touches their heart, touches their life, opens them up to potentially hear about this Jesus that you and I know so well. Yes, there is a deficit of kindness in our world today. But you and I have an overabundance of God's loving kindness in us, enough for us to not just make a dent in Satan's plans, but a huge gaping hole. But again, let's be real about kindness. No matter what the good intentions of the bumper stickers or memes out there, out, are out there, kindness is not free. In fact, Kindness is costly. For our God and Father in heaven, his loving kindness caused him to send his one and only son to live, to die, and to rise again for you and me. He gave his very life. It cost him everything. Was it worth it? You bet. Because now you and I are his sons and daughters. For you and me, our loving kindness might cost us time. Yeah, it might even cost some money. It might cost the energy that it takes to resist retribution, to rise above someone else's meanness, to respond with loving kindness. But is it worth it? You bet. God wants all people to be saved, and he works through you and I to bring Jesus to them. This is why I chose Titus 3. If you're wondering, are we ever going to get there? Yes, we are. I hope you have your Bibles open. 
Look at these words. I chose these specifically because they bring so much comfort and peace, but they also give us guidance and direction. These words are about the loving kindness of our Father in heaven and our Savior Jesus. I want you to look at these with me. It starts off, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Now just stop there for a moment. The goodness and loving kindness of our Father in heaven resulted in action. He sent his son, Jesus, to save us. Starting all the way back in the Garden of Eden when we had fallen into sin, God responded to this broken world, to his fallen people. By by loving kindness, he made a promise that he would send a Messiah to save, to rescue them. And then that loving kindness followed for every single generation throughout the Old Testament, caring for, leading, and guiding his people while they waited for the Messiah to come. That same loving kindness is demonstrated to you and I through Jesus as we wait for him to return. But when you go back onto that starry night in Bethlehem, Jesus, the word of God made flesh, came close to us. He walked the dust of this earth. He demonstrated loving kindness to all. His eyes were constantly focused on Jerusalem and on the cross of Calvary. Salvation is his work Alone. In fact, Paul continues in our reading, he saved us not because of righteous works that you have done, but because of his own mercy. In other words, you and I can't earn it. Not even with our righteous acts of loving kindness toward others. Salvation is a free gift. Free for you and me. But it cost him everything. And so he continues. These next words are some of my favorite about the gift of holy baptism, the regeneration to new life, this beautiful, beautiful words, because basically Paul's asking the question, or at least we should be asking it, okay, God saved us, how can we be sure it is for me, for you? Well, he says, it is by the washing of renewal. It is the washing of renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we become what? Heirs. Heirs according to the hope of eternal life. In the water of holy baptism, God showed his loving kindness to you by calling you by name because you matter. Your life matters. You matter. You are washed clean and you are adopted as a son or daughter of the king. But here's the thing. Because all people matter to God and because he is passionate about all of them wanting to be saved, Paul then continues this beautiful gift of grace with encouragement and with direction. He says this. This saying is trustworthy And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God, that's you and I, may be careful to devote themselves to good works. Why? Because these things are excellent and they're profitable. Paul says it's trustworthy. In response to all of these amazing gifts of grace, he says, I want you to devote yourself to good works, to acts of genuine Christ-centered kindness. My friends, as we look at love as kind, anyone on this planet can be kind. But when you and I, when we as God's people 
through the power of God's Holy Spirit, demonstrate his loving kindness into the world, lives are changed for eternity. In a world lost in darkness, in a world lost in chaos, in in selfish ambition, whether people have forgotten how to be kind or they refuse to slow down long enough to be kind or they're unwilling to pay the cost of being kind, whatever the case, in that kind of world, the world in which we live, you and I have the opportunity to live, to look, and to act very differently. Not for our sake, not for our accolades, but for the kingdom of God. I want to finish with this because I hope you know this is true. Whether it's in your home or whether it's how you live in this world, kindness toward others begins with God's loving kindness for us. Only through the power of God's Holy Spirit can we become imitators of Jesus. He gives us the power and the resources to overcome evil with good, to to, uh, triumph over annoyance with patience, and to rise above meanness with deep, Jesus-centered kindness. Now, finally, how do we know that love better each and every day? How do we know God's loving kindness more beautifully, more richly in our lives every single day? Well, I'll tell you, it's easy. You've got to feed on God's word every single day. Let him fill you with his grace. And then we need to walk together as a church on mission, allowing the world to see Jesus in us and through us. To him be the glory now and always. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.